Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the One on One Podcast with your host. Juan Ayala. What is going on there? If that's not mysticism, I don't know what is. And you could take that kernel of legitimate scientific experimentation and really run in quite a few different philosophical directions. And I think that dreams, in the same way that something being viral is not good or bad, dreams are like phantom limbs, these projections of the psyche that affect our physical life but are not quite there they're just below the surface we don't have any sort of available access to them until we give them some sort of life some sort of projection process and that's what dreams are and that's how the outpour of mysticism comes from this whole dream process because why wouldn't it dreams are that on an evolutionary level you know what I mean? And then psychedelics are just a piggyback off of that as well, and clearly seem to have some incorporated into that evolutionary model a bit as well. Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. I'm your host, as always. Make sure to follow the show on social media at the One One Podcast. 
website tjojp.com. Make sure to get your issue of Paranormality. June issue, bro. I'm on the cover. Look at that. Head of Florida's homunculologist. Okay, okay. I made that word up, and I don't even know how to say it. So 2023 (laughs) Florida edition, Paranormality. The link is in the description, so make sure to... If you go to check out TJOJP, and um, there's an exclusive interview in there as well of me, so it's pretty dope. Occultus Mundi, comic book, all that good stuff. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, all that goodness. And today we have Anthony Tyler with us. What's up, dude? Hey, thank you very much for having me on, man. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, from Black Hoodie Alchemy. I've been yes, listening sir. to your show. You go pretty hard in the paint, figured. And we're both on the Fringe FM, too, so I figured I'd hit you up and do a little collab because I like your stuff, bro, and I like your latest episode, too. It's pretty dope. So can you tell the people where they can find you, man? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, um, <clears throat> the, the basic website is divemind.net. You can find Black Hoodie Alchemy on anywhere you're getting your, your streaming action. Um, Fringe FM. You know, uh, you can find me on Twitter, divemind six six seven, because I'm just a little bit better than a devil. And uh, um, yeah, you know, just just go check out the show. There's a lot of material. Um, there's, you know, I keep it dense, but um, since you're um, being so kind as to let me on your show and plug real quick uh, at the top of it, um, if anyone's looking for like some some out there um, sort of like. Adult Swim, um, Art Bell, if he was uh, on Adult Swim. We've got some uh, some fun comedy bits on there as well that I've uh, – uh, Joe Roop of uh, Lighting the Void has gotten in there on it. Um, uh, some characters like uh, making fun of some of the wilder conspiracy theories out there, just having fun with the whole process. And we've gotten some uh, – we've gotten good feedback. So, you know, there's some, there's some humor in there. There's some dense um, philosophy and esotericism and – there's some true crime as well uh, because I have a little bit of that investigative bug in me naturally. And um, a lot of the abnormal psychology in that um, my union sensibility, I guess you could say uh, feeds into that. And uh, yeah. So, you know, you could go check out my books. I have two books out dive manual uh, empirical investigations of mysticism and hunt manual 21st century demonology and Fortiana. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's the short of it, really. Awesome. Do you have a link tree yet, bro? Uh, I do not. No. Got to make a link tree. So, <laughs> so make a link tree. Send me the link. I'll post the links in the description. Make Will a do. YouTube. Do all that stuff, bro. I got you. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I I do appreciate the tips there. Uh, Juan's been at it a little bit longer than I have. You know, my my book. I uh I started a while back. Um, some people I bet will recognize the name on um the indie news website the last american vagabond and um i started getting more into philosophy and esotericism and ended up kind of wanting to write a book and it was also pretty young um i was almost like an apprenticeship in many ways uh the ryan of the the last american vagabond is a super dope guy um but i ended up leaving that amicably and just been kind of doing my own thing since so i've been at it for a while but i'm fresh to you know i'm only a year into like doing my own show so i uh I'm still I'm still a little green at it, but I'm no stranger to the microphone. At least that's yeah. For no, sure. but your your stuff is good, and you, and you know the material too, and you know how to 
how to do the research. What what got you into this whole conspiratorial, conspirituality realm, alchemical, <laughs> Jungian, amalgamation, homunculus thing? What got you into all this, bro? Well, not uh, to take any sort of political dive, but like just as a, a brief note, my dad just retired as a detective. Um, so I have a little bit of that investigative bug in me like i said you know yeah you know and i'm not sticking up for like the the corrupt organization that a lot of uh police organizations stands for but obviously individual cops can be cool and my dad he's all right you know uh, but he he embedded that in me a lot and my uh my great-grandfather um was actually i found this out right after he died but uh he was a 32nd degree freemason of the scottish right so it seems to run in the family a little bit um but, you know, combined with that, like early on having, uh, I don't know, just starting off as many people do in, you know, in rocky ways, I felt like, uh, you know, I was a, just your regular teenager, but um, I, I had a real early start to this because uh, my dad sent me off to military school and in military school, when I was 17, I learned a lot about I started reading Freud and Jung and I, I just had nothing else to do. And I had a lot of anxiety and existential dread. And I, I was a pretty good reader. I was fucking terrible at math, but I'm, I'm a good reader. So uh, um, I had pretty decent comprehension. I just started getting into that stuff and I had a lot of time to meditate when I wasn't being forced to do the military stuff. And it just continued on from there. I did not follow any sort of further military or, uh, or cop like, um, didn't really want to be in any anything to do with um um exerting power over people yeah exactly yeah and so i actually got pretty heavy into cannabis uh using and um growing and that helped me you know getting into conspiracy theories and then the esoterica and like yeah there's a lot of uh corruption in masonry as well but um there's a there's a, a rich tradition there as well um, are you part and, of any society no, nah, man, I'm 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 punk rock. I'm DIY all the way. Um, I I would never, but uh, <clears throat> I do have respect. Um, you know, just I, organizations don't mean that much to me in the long run. I you know, it's all it's always on an individual basis for me. You know, I've there's there's good Catholics, there's good Satanists, there's there's just no good pedophiles. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, fuck pedophiles. Yeah, yeah. you're a pedophile. Fuck you. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I'm with um, you on that. But, uh, you know, generally there's like, I'm not, um, I'm not a flat earther. Um, but there's, 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 there's reasonable flat earthers out there, even though I don't really get it. Um, you know, like since I brought it up, I see they, they raise interesting questions sometimes, but the conclusions are always way too out there for me, but you know, it's always, it, it kind of, to me, I think among the physical aspects of learning to grow cannabis, I've, I've done it. Like I still work in the industry. I've done it for a while now. Um, um, and having the medical use of that and also growing my own plants and seeing the, the, cause alchemy is just as much a science as it is like a, a therapy or catharsis and something like cannabis or just botany in general um, and all the holistic medicine that can come from that. I mean, that's, that's pretty much, you could get into metallurgy and all these different spheres of, uh, or like astronomy, but botany is what it, and, and understanding the world around, like the actual world that we're in on a daily basis, um, I think is, is really the basis of alchemy. And, um, 
you know, all that just kind of culminating. I've never really been, I've always been kind of eccentric and I've always had dark interests as well, like for the right reasons, you know, um, I've never been, I've, I've liked horror movies and metal and punk rock. And, uh, and I kind of, you know, I still carry that with me to this day. So I think part of, aside from just being a writer and having an artistic streak, part of why I wanted to, uh, start doing the show other than people like Joe telling me that I might as well. And, uh, you know, feeling like also I might as well. I wanted to, and, uh, yeah, I am. I what am. part? Uh, Pensacola. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm in Orlando. So we're both Florida boys. Yeah. Right on. Right on. And Roop is now a Florida boy too. But, you know. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, um, it's been, um, it's been cool to to do the show and uh and just have it kind of be a natural extension of of what I'm doing what I would already be doing anyway so mm-hmm. um yeah for for me it started with I actually started doing fishing videos first and then no shit yeah when I started doing fishing videos when you go out for 12 hours and you don't catch anything it's like damn but at least if you have a conversation for an hour and a half 2 hours you have something to show for it right so True. that that's how I started out and then I really, right, grow, not growing up, but listening to Rogan, right, listening to Tinfoil Hat, listening to shows like that, that's what really started to like, oh, man, like what, what, it, I would always think to myself, if I was ever to go on Tinfoil Hat, what would I talk about? Right? What would I, yeah. what would I talk about? And then you go, oh, well, that's already been talked about. I was like, what can I, how can I bring something unique to the table? And I think that like that leveling up, of like going next level with like whatever topic or whatever content. And then eventually like I did actually go on tinfoil hat and like, actually, you know what I'm saying? Like it started with like a, it comes to show kids. If you follow your dreams that they do come true. Right. And yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's really, I love the whole podcasting cause it is like a therapy. It is like alchemy, right? We're talking, I want to talk to you about alchemy cause you talk about it on the, 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 the youngying aspect of all this, like how, how you were mm-hmm. talking about the, the plant world. I recently did an episode on Max Heidel's Rosicrucian uh, Cosmo Conception, where he talks about the different layers of reality, right? The plants have their own layer of reality. The, the, the minerals have their own layer of reality. Humans have their own layer. Like there's different. And then on top of that, there's an occultist Monday. You can get your copy on tjojp.com. But the occultist Monday, the hidden world, that we're not able to see or are you able to tap into it? and then this is when you get these these plants right the plant medicine i've uh, a mm-hmm. friend of mine told me that some cultures the plants are their theurgy are their way of entering these other realms are their way of calling forth these other forces to come and aid them in their in their works there's talks of shamans and their Icaros and how they learn those Icaros. Well, they, they take a heroic dose and they go into the forest or the jungle, whatever it is. And who teaches them the, the different songs? The plants teach them the different mm-hmm. songs. Like, who taught you that? The plant, right? The, everything taught me. Like, the, the jungle taught, taught it to me. So it's like there's this aspect of reality. And I always think of, like, because I know you're into serial killers and all that but i think about sometimes i'll be driving i'll go why is the paranormal a thing i was i was this past weekend i was down south in in with narco longo from old world florida and professor longo and they have an esoteric library like an occult library or a bookstore i'm sorry and 
and we were I was flipping through diff these different books that he had there. And he actually gave me a piece of Moldavite. So shout out to Professor Longo. He gave me a little piece of Moldavite. And we were flipping through like this alchemical book. I forgot which one it was, but it had all these different plates. And I was just telling him, I go, man, alchemy is such a, such a psychedelic wild thing. Like mm -hmm. the fact that it's a concept, the fact that it's an actual philosophy, aside from the hidden symbolism, secret society part of it, but the fact that it's a thing just blows my mind. And then you start flipping through all these different drawings. Like what were they actually trying to convey? If they were even trying to convey anything, right? Cause we're, we're here trying to figure it out, but what if they were trolling us the whole time, bro? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's the beautiful, that's part of why I love alchemy so much is it's got some of that, that trickster hermetic um, humorous element to it as well. Uh, you look at the, the people who were alchemists throughout history most of them had that 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 sort of air to their character um and yeah alchemy is a tricky thing um you know where do you even start to begin explaining it um you know at its most basic sense it's you know it, it conveys change uh, i was talking with a friend recently and uh <clears throat> you could it could be something so simple as like and this is an alchemy of flavors in the kitchen. People say that all the time. And that's like the, you know, the, the, that's like saying, I love this food as opposed to like having real love for somebody, but you can use it like that. And it's not exactly incorrect, but like alchemy at a, from like a esoteric historical perspective is, I guess, broken down to its most basic terms. Um, the, like the investigation of, the action or the action potential and like the incubation of that, that potential, you know, cause you could get into, there's like the, the divine masculine and feminine. And if you understand esotericism, that's not, you know, that's, that's just more symbols for you. But um, some people don't, you know, don't want to get into, you know, gender duality and things. And it, um, you know, for whatever it's worth, you don't really need that to begin with. I think it is useful because especially historically, you're really throwing yourself for a loop if you want to understand the symbols and you don't want to incorporate the masculine and feminine, you know, so there's that. But it's not impossible. And at its bare bones, it really doesn't uh, necessitate that. Like it's, uh, you, you know, you look at um, biology all around us, like uh, the buds of the cannabis plant. Are, are the uterus of the cannabis plant. That's what becomes pollinated and forms the, the sacs for the seeds, you know? So like the, the really? whole idea of, yeah, totally. So the whole idea of the action potential and the incubation, you know, the active and the passive or receptive being natural, dare I say, even cosmic like forces of nature is, is something that's entirely sound and scientific and logical um, and is you know, the, the basis, I, I don't understand why everyone, I mean, you know, teach their own, of course, but I don't understand why everyone isn't fascinated with alchemy because once you, once you kind of wrap your head around what it actually is, it's, it's everything. It's like the study of becoming of reality. Yeah. And, but the reason why people don't get into it is it's easy when you Google alchemy, cause it happened to me, bro. Like I wanted to get into alchemy, but every time I would Google, it's like, Oh, turning lead into gold. True. That's yeah, that's kind of lame. That well, is the trope. Okay, right. That's like the exoteric, like what they put mm -hmm. out there. And then when you start to dig into it, you go, "Wait a minute, what? This the magnum opus? 
right? The minor opus, right? The, all these different works, and, and it's what you dissolve out of existence after you achieve the magnum. What? Like, you start to get it in anything interdimensional, really. And on my show, I always talk about it, it gets my esoteric nipples hard. So whenever I start, to, <laughs> when you start to talk about Falconelli or like any of these other guys, right? St. Germain, John D., mm -hmm. Edward Kelly, like all these, the greatest alchemists of all time, Zosimos, Panopolis, like all these guys. And what they were trying to achieve, right? Like it, alchemy is at the core of quite literally everything. I mean, it's, 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 I've related it to chess. Like there, right. There's a reason why the golden Dawn used chess as a form of divination mm -hmm. because there's occulted origins. And, and again, I got a comment today. that was like, Oh, occult doesn't mean always bad. No, no, no. I, I mean, hidden every time I talk about, like, I understand that it's not always bad. And, and the and the magic with a K or alchemy or whatever, this force is like like the force in Star Wars. You can use it for good and be a Jedi, or you can use it for evil and be a Sith. It's up to you, but you can tap into it using these technologies. So alchemy being one of them. And the reason I love alchemy is because it's arranging things in a certain pattern, in a geometric pattern perhaps sometimes, to invoke a change in reality. So mm -hmm. like that, that to me is like, it puts everything else into perspective, like why certain cities are, are aligned a certain type of way. And then it just, right, creation itself, right? As a human being, the things that have to go on for us to, to come into existence, right? All the things that have to line up auspiciously, right? In a certain pattern for us to be created. It's like my, my favorite anime is the Fullmetal Alchemist. When they try to recreate awesome. the human and they break it all down by elements like, oh, it's got this, it's got that. We mix it all together and it's just a blob of just materials. It's like, what is it missing? It's missing that divine spark, the essence, the soul. And I think that's where God comes in. I do believe in God. I believe that there is a divine alchemist or architect or creator, programmer, you name it, at the core of it all, running this 3D printing press, right? Pressing the buttons, knowing what the next thing to print is like, I don't think that everything just falls into place because I think it's, I think there's a force that drives everything at the core, like an, an, an intelligent force, like a, an intelligent being a corporeal thing that exists that has some, some level of intelligence. Right. And I think that again, I, that's just my personal opinion. I, I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, <clears throat> I, I know, I firmly am convinced that there are forces that we can't understand and that we will never understand. Um, and I have a reverence for that. And I, I don't know, I guess the, 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 the Jungian part of me, um, to where my mind goes, we, you know, if someone asks me, like, if I believe in God, um, I believe that God represents something that we can't understand. I, th I think I would go, I would certainly go so far as to say that. I think that there's merit to the idea of something like God. Obviously, I don't think of it in the, the Christianized or Abrahamic sense, but um, when it comes to things like this, I always like to, you know, just use Occam's razor and, and, and just start from the most basic standpoint. And like when you look throughout history, yeah, there's so much, you know, religious, mystical, there's so many pitfalls, but 
even the most basic mainstream science, even, you know, Dawkins, who, um, you know, typified memetics as we know it and wrote the God delusion, like memetics isn't just saying that God is a virus from like a, from this atheistic standpoint. It, it's really saying that these ideas replicate in the mind like viruses and, you know, viruses can be good or bad, um, especially in this context. It's really just a, um, a, a descriptive um, physicalization of it to show that things in the brain incubate and then virally replicate and then it spread exponentially. And um, <clears throat> I mean, so even if you take it at that bare bones approach, it's still the idea of God is like, I don't understand how you could, let me put it like this. I don't understand how you could even have a Richard Dawkins approach. Look at that and say, God is this mimetic virus and, and not be extremely impressed at what it's inspired all the same, you know? So, and, but at the same time, yeah, let's, you know, let's understand that it's a double-edged sword, just like any tool. Um, so, you know, and, and, I think that, you know, part of um, why I enjoy alchemy so much is it's always been that like age old historical mindset that of empirical spirituality, which you don't find very often. Where how, how many how many different places do you find overt, explicit control methods in your spirituality uh, other than just dogmatic rules? I mean, no, nowhere, right? Like ha- having control over your own fate type of thing. Is that what you're trying to get at? Because I mean, the church, it's like, if you do that, that's bad. You can't do that. You can only do this. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's why I love the uh, Gnostics so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that is definitely rolled into what I'm saying. I guess um, specifically, though, control methods um, um, as in like a results-based spirituality mm. something looking at spirituality empirically uh you know em- empiricism being of the senses that doesn't mean that's where the trail of breadcrumbs ends but that's that means that like we you know occam's razor with these things logic as opposed to just dogma you know that's that's always been the code of the alchemist most certainly when you talk about the senses and and <laughs> this is why i can't get behind like the the flat earth movement. Now, <laughs> I don't think it's what they've told us. I, I understand the narrative of questioning the authority, questioning the the institutions, questioning the people in power because they're, they're, they're in power. They didn't get there just because they had to backstab. They had to do bad things to get in these positions. We know that to exert power over other people. But I'm the homunculus guy, bro. And the reason that they thought the homunculus was a thing was because before they had microscopes, they thought that a little person, right, pre-formationism, they thought that there was a little version of the bigger thing inside the sperm. For example, they thought there was a little man inside the sperm curled up, ready to pop out and like, yo, what's up? It's like, (laughs) we know that's not true. And what, why, why did they think that? Because they were using their senses. They were using pure observation. Aristotle thought that you created lice in your body because your body was too humid. We know that's not the case. So it's like, you can't tell me because you see with your eyes, oh yeah, the sun's not that, it's not 93 million miles away. That's that's bullshit. It probably isn't 93 million miles away, but you're simply using your senses. Ever heard of Rene Descartes? 
Oh yeah. Their whole reason behind his his philosophy was like, wait a minute, the senses can be tricked. So the only thing I can prove is that I'm a thinking thing. Cogito ergo sum, right? That's the whole reason he came up with that. It's like the only thing I can prove is I'm a thinking thing, right? We don't know if we're some brain in a vat jar somewhere, and that like that's why. Again, questioning reality itself, <laughs> you know what I mean? You start to get answer, ask all these questions, but, you know, you're touching on, like, the senses, and I'm like, well, there's that's a, that's a double-edged sword because it's like, can you truly trust your senses? And, I mean, there really is, is there any religion that you could, like, do at the moment to invoke a change, like, immediately? Is there something that you could possibly do real time, right? Because that's what everybody wants to see, right? I think that's what every, like, they want to see a change happen real time. You know what I mean? And, and chemicals and, and, like, the practical alchemy outside of, out, out. You know what I'm saying? Like, throw, obviously, if you mix chemicals in a lab, you can, you're going to get results, which is part of the alchemical. Mm-hmm. Pro- there's the practical, physical part of alchemy, and there's also the spiritual part, right? The metaphysical part. But it's like, what can you do to cause a a change immediately spiritually or metaphysically right i mean that's what everybody that's why people are in religion i mean that that to to invoke changes in reality through thought alone what is praying you're trying to invoke a change in the reality world through a metaphysical means that's it that's you're hoping god hears you yeah, these there's these are very good points, you know, like eyewitness testimony is obviously um very touch and go as another example. Um but you know, to clarify further, I guess I would say it's the the empiricism part of it would be the fact that rather than just simply ritual, um alchemy it takes it a step further and actually does literal experimentation with it so when you uh, you know when you whether it's metallurgy or you're making tinctures or you know and growing the plants to make those tinctures and botany at large um there's you know you're becoming more familiar not only with the you know whatever you're growing but the states of life itself um you know, your own temperament when it comes to patience and all these different things. And by, there's a quote from uh, Manly P. Hall, the, uh, the, the Masonic scholar where, um, you know, to paraphrase it, he says that we are given, um, humans are given a gift by nature. And that gift is the gift of labor because through labor, we learn all things. And, and so, yeah, certainly don't trust your senses completely. And if anything, you know, that's a whole lot to do with uh, why I am an alchemist. I guess I'm, I am naturally skeptical. And I think, what's a good way to put it? I feel like a, a beautiful part of alchemy that you don't find in other disciplines, spiritual schools of thought, is that you use the mental and the physical to balance each other. Whereas, you know, you find, and that's what ritual and ceremony are, but again, you use that through experimental control methods rather than just let's bow down and pray however many times a day because, you know, that's that's what we're told to do. So 
yeah, and you really you just truly don't find that anywhere else in history. Um, and and alchemy is the historical precedent for science as we know it, even on the mm. mainstream historical records. So, um, you know, and they even they've it's even confirmed today that we can essentially uh, be you know we can turn base metals into gold mm-hmm. by uh in you know in very specific scientific settings by bombarding it with radiation and shifting the atomic scale so it seems highly unlikely that anyone was able to do that back then but i don't know maybe and i i, I certainly if anyone did do it I, i'm you know i'm very i feel very confident that there were not many so that is clearly not the basis of alchemy but it could have actually been in the mix but for the most part, it was definitely a decoy. It was a red herring the whole time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have two opposing views on that, and and I'll to be clear, I'm not an al- I'm not an alchemist. I consider myself an alchemist, being a podcaster because we're transmitting people's thoughts real time as we speak, or we're we're connecting hmm. different ideas and things in their minds as we speak that they wouldn't otherwise think about. But I'm not a, I'm not an alchemist in uh, the in the sense of right trying to achieve that magnum opus. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. this is my magnum opus, right? The podcast and trying yeah. to further its development. But this idea of, I think that the gold was the byproduct of something greater, right? Like this idea of transmuting lead into gold, you have the metaphysical aspect of turning your, your lead, right? Consciousness into gold, humanity itself. And then, and, and then when you get into the whole aspect of the Knights Templar and how maybe they were trying to transmute reality itself, with all these cathedrals and all that stuff, it starts to like, like how far can you take this technology? Can you transmute the whole world, the existence itself, the solar system, the universe, whatever it is. So, and I think that the gold was, yeah, either something to deter people, how it does already when people Google alchemy, the first thing you're going to get is that. And I think that's probably by design. Cause if the alchemists were a secret society, I mean, that's just the, that's the reality of it. There were another sect of a group of individuals who held a certain knowledge that would only be shared between themselves. That's right. essentially and, what it was. I mean, they were a secret society. Yeah, in that regard, it's very similar to to masonry in the sense that it's sort of um, its exoteric nature was more of a trade. You know, whether you were a chemist or a botanist. Um, so like masonry you know, and masons, like that was their ex, ex, exoteric trade. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. in the very beginning, um, uh, the Freemasons, as we know them, were you know was the ones building cathedrals. Like you know um, Hiram of Biff, he he um, he was supposed to. Um, he was like the the archetypal mythical Freemason who was building the um, the uh, Solomon's Temple. Um, so yeah, and, and, and that, that much, I mean, that story probably is not true. That's probably mythological, but the idea that Masons themselves had this, uh, really elaborate, um, secret, like to the trade itself. Like when you, you look back at the, the, the historical timeline, like all these things that we take for granted now, we could Google things and, uh, check out how to repair a car on YouTube. But like back when, you know. knowledge was uh was i don't know it's something hard to wrap your head around like they these guys these guys would um would do their 
their you know masonic trades in secret like literally like even um going so far as to um you know like using what's the way to describe it like using techniques to hide how they were laying the brick and things like that so it was all like a, a brotherhood um meant to sort of make sure that knowledge and a, a unique skill set de- didn't get corrupted and 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 a lot of that you know especially the philosophical nature that had to do with the idea that science was taking a backseat to dogma uh when it came to catholicism in the west and and in for those reasons you know the trade reasons and that sort of pushback against um dogma as opposed to uh you know logic essentially is yeah i mean masonry and alchemy definitely go hand in hand because i mean uh, masonry at its core you know you could squabble about certain semantics but it's a a, a sort of transmutational rite of passage essentially Mm -hmm. into it's meant to be this sort of birth into a new mindset and philosophy of life a comparative religious sort of one and that's why i asked myself like the right dogma and all these dogmatic views of back then and the superstition behind ideas. And that's why these alchemists and these secret societies exist because they wanted to, they could get killed by having this knowledge out in the world because it went against the mainstream narrative. And it's like, I think that to me, religion is a tool that again, like anything else used accordingly can serve you well because it lays a foundation, right? Talking about Masons, it lays a a strong foundation (laughs) for people that need to be guided. Some people need the shepherd to guide them to wherever they need to be right now. Not, not in a mean way of like, Oh, you're a sheep, but some people don't give, a shit about anything else other than just existing. I mean, that's just the that's the reality of it, right? They just yeah. Want to some live people just life. don't want the mystery of life. They just yeah. want they want to know what the way to do it is, so that they can just do it and not sure. question it. And that you know, teach their own. But mm-hmm. um, and I really um, I try to, you know, I, I I certainly see the value in um, like most of my family's Christian. Um, so I get it, and I don't see myself as very different like i i appreciate all you know so much of uh christian symbolism is tied up in alchemy as it is um i i feel like i don't disagree with much of what they say it's just like a lot of things i see where people are coming from and then they take it to such specific places that they start to lose my point of view um or you know i start to feel like they're losing the plot maybe is a good way to put it. Um, um, but I, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the idea of religion is something that I can understand. You know, there's nothing wrong with being religious, but it's, you know, every, everything, most things in life, if not everything is double-edged and it's not for mm-hmm. me. Um, I have always appreciated more of an experimental nature. Um, and I, I just don't, I don't understand, you know, not to squabble over petty bullshit, but like the whole idea of sin seems very, um, 
it just seems completely against the the experimental scientific method. I, I mean, there is obviously, you know, I put stock, plenty of stock into morality and ethics, but the idea of sin and like, you know, this is something we could get into because this is very alchemical naturally, but I've been pretty, I've always been fascinated with the dualism represented in alchemy. Um, there's the positive and negative, obviously, um, the, the yin and the yang, which is, you know, the, also the divine masculine and feminine, um, the yin being the feminine, the dark and the yang being the masculine. Um, and, but interestingly, um, people, I feel like it's just such, so embedded, unless people are inspired by Eastern mentality, like Eastern philosophy, it's so embedded in the West that positive and negative are good and evil, or at least good and bad. Um, and it just really, it couldn't be further from the case. Um, it's, it, you know, when you, when you look at it from like a scientific, like logical perspective, for instance, like, like right and wrong is a matter of record. It's a matter of um, proving the validity or like factual evidence. And, and I think that it's, a super subtle, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm splitting hairs here, but I think it makes a huge difference, honestly. People equate right and wrong with good and evil today, I think is such a slippery slope. And I think it shows a lot. Um, <clears throat> I think it, it, I don't know, it's like the fertile soil for so much of this information warfare and culture warfare that we have today, you know, because people, <clears throat> you ask someone, because, you know, alchemy is, you know, so much of it, half of it is outwardly experimental and half of it is, is psychological and cathartic. And there's so many people out there today that feel like, you know, because of atrocities that have happened in history and people not speaking out when they should have, um, that we all have to get on Twitter and voice our opinions. And it's like, this is, this is, this is a little bit of a different thing here where there might, we might need to have a little more nuance. And also maybe we shouldn't try to crucify people that just have different opinions. You know, we shouldn't tolerate bigotry, but what the hell happened to debate anymore? How is it that we're equating right and wrong with good and evil? Um, like, mm. so, so copy and paste, like they're, they're so seamlessly intertwined today, especially in culture wars today. Like, you know, uh, people get, you know, and I'm not trying to rail on cancel culture. I don't, you know, that's, that's a different conversation. And, and frankly, one that's too petty that I've, you know, I don't really. Yeah. And no, I think, um, and I think that's by design, bro. I think that's to keep people suppressed, right? Keep people yeah. conscious, their consciousness, their spirituality, everything suppressed. And I've always said, whatever happens between two consenting adults is fine with me. As long as you respect and keep the children out of it. Cause that's where yeah, that's amen. where I draw the line, right? But if if you right. want to dress up as a furry, and you want to do furry shit, that you know it's up to you. Like I don't I don't care, right? Like I'll respect you. Just uh, just leave all the 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 creepy pedophile shit out of it. Now, that's that's where I draw the line, really. And totally the the this idea of people freaking out, for example, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, and I'm like, hey. And number one, I, I saw the the Rosicrucian symbolism 
behind it all because he talked about the bird being freed. And I remember in the chemical wedding of Christian Rosencruz, mm. they talk mm. about the bird being free, or you have Very the language true. of the birds and the green language and all these different things. So when he was talking about that, I'm like, and this guy has how we mentioned at the beginning, like this trickster meme lord mimetic magic type s to him he's like a very true he's a troll he's like I, I i was it joe rogan or elon musk i was like i named an episode one time is elon musk a dmt machine elf or something like that <laughs> if, if he like came into this reality from that other side like you know <laughs> like somebody opened up a portal and here comes elon musk but when people are freaking out like oh now now what it's like well you fucked up by putting your trust in these huge corporations and yeah. you know what i mean like why even put your who cares who owns the the platform you know people talking about leaving and i was like who cares like build your own build your own platform or whatever it is because we see the censorship right in these platforms mm -hmm. and then the thing that really like irks grinds my gears is Right, we're in this conspiratorial alchemical train of thought. We're always looking for that next esoteric or a cold little nugget that's hidden. And then they silence like the sides, they, a certain side. You know what I mean? Like they'll silence mm -hmm. a certain side. And that kind of nowadays gives credibility to a certain extent. So when, you know, you have people boasting all the time, well, I got taken off of YouTube or Facebook because I was talking about X, Y, Z. It's like, no, no, no. You know that there's a history of them banning that certain type of talk. Mm -hmm. And you feel good because you're going against that the grain on that certain type of thought. It's like, but then they feel like they have more credibility because they knew exactly what buttons to push. And mm -hmm. then they got the outcome that they wanted. But then they're going to turn around and go cry about it. It's like, no, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but then by them doing that, and, and another another example, Joe Biden does a, a speech. And brings up like the new world order. It's like he knows a certain side, right? Because it's about polarity, right? These two sides. A certain side's gonna go crazy because he said that one thing. Yeah. Because we're yeah. watching for that shit, right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like as a side note, you know, regardless of where you want anybody listeners wants to go with Illuminati, like, yeah, you bet your ass. Those politicians know what people post about on forums. Illuminati they're, they're confirmed. Well <laughs> 100%. Um, like I remember reading the uh, um, back in the day, reading um, some of the Podesta emails and Hillary Clinton made a joke to someone in the emails of uh, about sacrificing someone to Moloch. Like, mm -hmm. like, true. You know, why? Like, why? <laughs> how many times have you been talking to somebody, bro, where that comes up? I mean, well, maybe maybe my group of friends. <laughs> I, I'd, <laughs> right? I'd probably say that more than the average person. But. Her out of all people, and then the whole hot dog thing, like pizza parties. How many times have you ever told somebody you want to have a pizza party or hot dog party or whatever it was? And, it, and yeah. again, it goes back to this alchemical thought. That's why they spoke in code. And Trithemius, which was one of John D's, like, he inspired John D. He was the guy who, the father of cryptology, right? Cryptography, uh, cryptology, cryptography the right occulting things he talked about and i've seen this in other rosicrucian texts too where right you're reading those emails and you're reading those letters on those emails but to the uninitiated uh, the uninitiated 
It means something completely different to the initiated in the same mm -hmm. text. So an initiate will look at the text and see something completely different than the uninitiated in yeah. the same text. So you can extract two different things from the same thing in plain, hidden in plain sight. Now, is it what they're talking about that we know about with the, you know, the whole QAnon and all that stuff? We know about that whole side of things. Is it that? It could quite, it could quite possibly be that. But you know, we you know could, yeah, we, we could talk about this a little bit for fun. Um, this isn't something that I would normally talk about on my show because there's so much already to talk about. But I do have some insight here because um, um, I was a little immersed in so. At the right before I left the last American Vagabond was around when the whole Pizzagate thing broke, and um, we started receiving a lot more traction for that because we were covering it from just sort of an investigative point of view, like you know, unbiased. We always, you know, you, you could say we were conspiratorial minded, um, uh, but we were always pretty good about um, just presenting facts and not jumping to conclusions or anything like that, and um, it. And, you know, we were like deep in forums and, you know, subreddits and everything and uh, trying to um, and going through all these emails, going through the source material. Um, and firstly, you know, regardless of um, QAnon piggybacked off of it, QAnon is some wild shit right there. But um, in terms of the initial like set QAnon aside for the sake of a cogent argument, the uh, the like pedophocracy as some people have called it, um, that being a thing, um, you know that start it started to snowball very quickly, and a lot of it was highly circumstantial, and it turned out to be disproven some of the circumstantial evidence, but a lot of it was weird, and um, I do think going through all that, you know, just for the hell of conversation whatever they were talking about it was definitely code they were talking about something if it was kids or other humans or drugs or something like the one example that always sticks in my head is obama ordered like it's like 10 or twenty thousand dollars worth of hot dogs ordered like oh by plane from chicago right to the white house and well, like, the one that got me was when the kidding. dude who was it hillary got mad at him for doing it at the white house or something like that what's that there was there was a conversation where I think it was Hillary that got or somebody got mad at Obama for you know from the emails like oh, oh, oh we yeah. weren't supposed okay. to do it here you know what are you do <laughs> what are you doing yeah there was a lot in those emails man yeah there was a lot of people like um because that was WikiLeaks the, uh, right that whole thing yes yes it was and, I mean yeah. we know what happened to him mm hmm yeah so yeah man that's um um. <laughs> yeah talk about talk about some esoteric shit that's that was clearly something going on and it's still anything, going on yeah it's still going on um and whatever pizzagate quote-unquote as it became to the public and then eventually even q on after that these things as far as i'm concerned became the red herrings to cover it up like you know you scapegoat too yeah you uh you cover your tracks with red paint anyway i mean it's still <laughs> obviously a trail but the you can't tell what made the track at that point <laughs> it's like no matter how many times you polish a piece of shit it's still a piece of shit yeah like regardless of you you can put a bow on it you can dress it up however you want you can still smell it and it smells like shit so it's like we know for a fact 
that the powers that be are into some nefarious stuff but it's like what what are you to do about it and i mean we know that certain there are certain people in the community who start to look down the wrong places and one could argue that if you look in the wrong place right i call it flying too close to the sun you get right your wings melt so it's like what are you to do about it what do you you know what i mean like what type of there's really nothing you can do the powers that be will always be there and that's kind of like dark to think about it's like oh there's nothing you can do about it but i mean they're in power for a reason and i think that this structure that we're you know what i was thinking about today what if all the ants in the world bro came together would they be able to overthrow us <laughs> yeah man if, if if they got enough sense there's a good shot you know it's 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 like the uh the butterfly creating uh the typhoon halfway around the world like can you imagine if the butterfly became self-conscious self-aware enough to understand that you know the chances are they probably will never create a typhoon halfway around the world but it's possible like what what could happen what could happen if they just understood the potential and and you know the whole butterfly effect is an allegory for chaos theory and chaos magic and and yeah i mean i think like i think understanding the uh, just simple potential of something is is key like you're never going to try something if you don't at least see some potential in it or you're never you know you're never going to give yourself a shot if you don't see some potential there um there's some sort of uh peter carroll quote who is the you know the guy who kind of founded chaos magic as we know it um in the 90s and uh it's something along the lines of like a magician's quality it you know it it will always behoove a magician to believe in oneself like because it might not um increase your chances but like it certainly doesn't hurt it, he he words it really well i mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't paraphrase that well enough let me see if i could find it for you yeah um, yeah no, and that's what back to this topic of alchemy that's what always keeps me coming back that possibility of what if Right. For example, I mean, I always talk about the homunculus. It's like, is it bullshit or is there a possibility? You know, there's that that I call it the ping pong effect, like in in the belief system where you think it's it's not possible, but it could kind of possibly be a thing. And you're like kind of in that limbo thought of, well, is there secret societies? I mean, there's evidence of that. It's like, are they doing the things that they're doing? Maybe, maybe not. Like, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're in that the weird path, bro. Where do you draw the line between fiction and reality? Or is it all the same shit? Like, that's why I love alchemy right there. That's that question <laughs> is at the heart of so much alchemy. And believe it or not, I actually did find the quote pretty easily. Um, so from Peter Carroll, as belief in one's capabilities self-evidently leads to increasing capabilities, magicians consider it worthwhile to believe in their ability to accomplish the impossible, even if they only exceed at this occasionally. Bro, so I know. mean that that's the power of thought. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. The self-aware thought. butterfly flapping its wing and creating that typhoon. Hell yeah. If you believe it enough, right? The hunt a hundred monkey theory. Right. That also the collective conscious, if you want to get Carl Jung into it, these things that we're able to 
right? The occulted nature of man. How much of our, right? You have Crowley talking about Goetia being aspects of our psyche. Mm-hmm. Right? That's blasphemy to some people. Like, no, you, you, I'm not a demon. I'm not demonic. It's like, well, we all have those thoughts sometimes. Like, yo, what would happen if I jumped over this, <laughs> this, this ledge? I mean, I'm not the only one. What would happen if I drove into oncoming traffic? I think we all have totally. those. Or is that like that's like a normal thing, right? That, that Absolutely. People, obviously, you don't yeah. act upon the you don't act upon those impulses. But like, bro, you ever want to just smack the shit out of somebody? Just like, yo, what happened if I just clocked this dude right now? Like, that was it, Fight Club. When they go out and pick fights with people, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, try to pick yeah. fights with people, like in that movie, man, Classic. that movie is is one of those movies that no matter how many times you watch it, the ending always gets you, bro. It's always great. you never expect. No matter, I've seen that movie so many times, and it's always at the end, like, yo, it was him the whole time. You know what I mean? Like it was him. So that that really is a dope movie. I mean, it shows you a little bit of um, like. Of, alchemy and union projection and then like gets into uh like the dark side of like believing your own bullshit too much and like even you know what one might call a toxin toxic masculinity and like domestic terrorism and cultism like very multifaceted movie and book um great story oh it's a book um, too yeah it is i actually read it for the first time or early fight club the earlier the last year yeah yeah, what it's not heck? that long either. Um, it's pretty. The movie does a great job following um, the book with some small changes. I will say though, surprisingly, the the book is even more graphic than the movie. Like it doesn't add more where it's not like mm-hmm. go like a. Uh, it's not like pages. a. a yeah, it's not like a lot of sex graphic or anything, but like you know how books are, like they they can get into the deep. He goes to into the description of the hole that's in his cheek that comes after a Fight Club session. Like the book is just brutal, man. It's a good time, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, a genuinely alchemical motif there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, you know, the the trial and error process, uh, like the you know something we haven't brought up yet um and fight club kind of made me think of it like the idea of heuristics um and the 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 self-education process throughout history like when you don't have anything else to use a fight club metaphor to transition like you work with what you got and you uh you know when you when you have nothing but pent-up rage and you find a way to release it in a some sort of cathartic way then you roll with that catharsis that you can find um, in, you know, in a way that's not like hurting non-consenting people. And like, that is heuristic, like, you know, and, and for those that don't know the, the idea, the, like the standard definition of something heuristic can be a descriptive term and actually a unit, like a meme, it could be a heuristic. Um, And it is something like it's easiest to, to describe with an example some people, plenty of people still think to this day that porcupines can shoot their quills and they cannot. But um, it is sort of, it's a bit advantageous for you to consider that they could shoot their quills because you might stay further away. So there's all these spiritual principles and ideas throughout history that were not exactly uh, logical point A to point B steps, but they were trial and error um 
methods of observation and 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 gauging those observations that you know were slowly refined over time and that's where dogma becomes such an issue that it's not in alchemy not as much at least um is that dogma just becomes these rules that were heuristic rules you know to begin with this was supposed to be a uh an alchemical evolution of you know the collective consciousness we weren't just supposed to stay with what we learned like two thousand years ago um but we weren't supposed to forget that either um so a lot of these heuristic um these 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 heuristic methods um were you know the very foundations of modern science you know today so mm-hmm. um when but that, looking that's into, part of alchemy because i mean that they're trying to achieve that magnum opus constantly i mean they talk about yeah. how paracelsus uh, what was it uh, they always talk about the discoloration of the front of them because they're in front of the furnace for so long you got Polcanelli, right he, he the 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 notebook that they he uses a talisman right that he gave to consolier and and the idea that it was all discolored and, and wrinkled up because of the constant heat, heating, and, you know, and again, that, that fire aspect of it, the initiates of the flame of you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Um, that, you know, that that makes me think of, um, you know, the whole idea of Prometheus there. Um, because mm-hmm. with a lot of these spiritual questions, I wonder, I like to think about, you know, cause I'm certainly not a creationist. Um, I, I, I think it's all intertwined, man. I think that science and spirituality, you know, there's the whole idea of the God of the gaps. Like I think it's, you know, and God is used as a place marker to explain what science hasn't gotten to yet. And I think that there's merit to that. Um, and I don't think that one explains the other entirely. I think there's always going to be that dichotomy, at least from the human perspective. But, um, um, yeah, the alchemy can really, it can be anything if it if if it has to do with a change in the external and the internal in in ways that are reciprocal um, and uh, and communicate with one another. But like that's the beauty of it. It could be your art. It could be it could be anything. Yeah, but, gnosis. I mean, it's whatever mm-hmm. divine knowledge is to you. It's open up. For, it's open for interpretation. It's whatever that one piece of information that's going to enable that 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 epiphany, right? That's going to start that epiphany for you. Of like, you ever you ever research a topic, and you're just like missing this one key piece of information for you to actually like grasp the concept in your mind. It happens to me mm-hmm. all the time. To where I'll read one thing and go, "Oh, that's what." The whole thing was like when I was I love it when dude. I started looking yeah. into Nietzsche, bro. I <laughs> couldn't understand what he was about. Like constantly, <laughs> just oh. I was gonna do an episode on it, and I still don't understand his philosophy. And then when I started to recite it and and talk about it, bro, on air it clicked. Like on air, as I'm doing the the episode, I'm like, oh shit! Like now because Beautiful. because. What people don't understand the, the the nature of reality and alchemy and magic and all these different things. It's that there's different ways, and I'm gonna use this example, right? There are there are certain ways to say things, certain ways of 
I mean, let me, let me just get into the example of there's books, right? And I'm going to use Al Kindi's optics uh, where he talks about how everything is a ray of light and everything interacts with something else. And that's an alchemical process and that's reality. And then he gets into the sacrificial aspect of it of when you snuff the light out of a, a living being, you can harness that energy for your magical purpose. And when I was studying his book, I forgot the name of, uh, of optics of light the astral light somebody when i was doing the research somebody talked about how reading that book out loud invokes a certain a different feeling it, i guess it unlocks a certain uh, di a different way of interpreting the material i right? mean e even that is straight up evolutionary think about that we've been listening to people talk to us way fucking longer than we've been reading um and so we have we have different, much more well-tread, like evolutionary faculties of our brain and our memory that are are more well-equipped. Yeah, like conversation and, and community. Mm -hmm. It's so it's such an integral an integral part of learning. Yeah. Absolutely. So like when I when when you when I was speaking it on the podcast instead of internally processing it, that's the the act of speaking it unlocked other right archetypes and all that shit we can get into yeah but it unlocked something else in my mind that made me understand it for whatever reason again an alchemical yeah. an alchemical an alchemical process an alchemical change real time a transmutation real time from just going and reading it and go, oh, okay and then actually talking about it, like oh okay that makes that makes a lot of sense too like bro i don't know man i think that the nature of reality is so so weird it's just it's just and that's what keeps me coming back like as a kid, I remember, you know, I was into Bigfoot. I was into UFOs and aliens. And now I guess UFOs and aliens are fake and gay, but I don't I don't <laughs> think so, bro. I think that I think that I think that's that they're a real thing, bro. And and, and I've seen the shift in the community go from like, oh, you know, there's a there's actual entities and all this stuff to like, nah, that's just a psyop. It's like, damn, really? <laughs> you know I mean? I'm like, I'm very open to um, the physicalization of these things. Um, that is a fun conversation we could have next time, like the whole goblin universe thing. Um, that's, that was, that was the whole 14 book. Like the idea, the, the intersection between, uh, like what you could like call alchemical universe? thought forms. Yeah. The goblin universe by Ted holiday. Um, I could send you the PDF. This is actually, it's, I'll tell, I'll, I'll go into that for a second since I brought it up. Um, it was a book that came out in yeah, like the 80s, 90s. It's old now. Um, Ted Holliday's passed away. He wrote this book as a rough draft before he died. And he was friends with the popular um, esotericist and philosopher Colin Wilson. Uh, some people will recognize that name. Um, and, and so Colin Wilson ended up uh, publishing his rough draft he like checked it for typos and basically just left it as is uh, posthumously, posthumously, whatever. Um, and uh, it's a book. So it's, it's a flawed book, um, but it's a fascinating thought experiment. And it's got a lot of really, really genuinely good food for thought. Uh, and it's basically, and, and, and this is a lot of what I have, what I'm fascinated with. I found this book midway, you know, along my journey deep into it. And I was like, ah, yes, you know, some fresh air, someone that, that uh, is speaking the same language. And it's very, it's all about the Jungian archetypal projection process wed with 
paranormal, unexplainable phenomena wed with, you know, cryptozoology. And um, it, it's it's a very, um, you know, if you're just pitching it without doing the legwork to go into uh, some of the, you know, the nuances of something like Jungian projection. And, you know, even if we don't agree on all the semantics of paranormal phenomena, there's so many fucking... Um, uh, cases of of poltergeist activity you know uh that are in police records and all these different things like we know that there's crazy stuff going on mm-hmm. so what and, and, and we look at things like um um a lot of uh ufo activity um a, a lot of cryptozoological activity some of like the paranormal stuff can happen there and a lot of the, that's very similar to ghost activity like all these things really seem to be stemming from in this like Jacques Vallée, John Keel sort of way. It's this, it's this, the, the, the best way I put it is because I think that there's like a very crisp psychological way to put it, but that's just the beginning. I don't think that that's where the trail of breadcrumbs ends. And if anything, you know, the science, the evidence shows um, that, this whole union projection process, memetics, the exchange of symbol, uh, memetics being the exchange of archetypes from person to person mm-hmm. in these specific ways. Um, all of that is 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 there. That's the that's the groundwork. But clearly, especially the more you get into this stuff, um, I'm not saying I understand it, but very clearly, plain as day, we can see that belief is like the bottle for a genie. You know, and we and there's there, there's there's the philosophies of tulpas and egregores, and we can by you know having the fertile soil of something like a belief, we can start to um, really affect things in ways that a materialist wouldn't understand. And it, and and it, it the only way to really at least chip at the tip of that iceberg is understanding trance states. I feel like yeah, it's the right to talk about young. Henry Corbin, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, and the Mundus yeah. Imaginalis, where mm-hmm. it's this imaginary world that gushes forth from the imagination. Imagination, totally. right? <laughs> uh, where it, it's an autonomous world that exists. Mm-hmm. It's like sandwiched in, sandwiched in between re, what is reality and what is non-reality, because even that's still a sort of reality right, in, in itself, and it's in between, and it exists on its own. And I think that uh, uh, George Luis Borges talks about like, right. I think it's got, and speaking of fight club, this state of insomnia and George Luis Borges, he was in this constant state of, he had severe insomnia. So he was able to come up with these stories from his imagination that stemmed from his ability to exist in these two different realities. If, if we want to talk about different transcendental states of, of, right different states of consciousness mm-hmm. while sleep is a state of consciousness and he if mm-hmm. you're able to exist in those two worlds like the guy from fight club he was he had insomnia as well so he was kind of delusional mm-hmm. and that was the same thing with borges where he was able to come up with these thought experiment type stories because he was able to exist in this dual reality so it's like what what does that have to i mean overworking yeah. us and having this nine to five and coming home and having to do everything at home, if you have kids, all these different things, like 
where we're all sleep deprived, they're kind of they kind of have us corralled and mm-hmm. in, in this state of mind uh, that we're much more malleable and we're able to accept the bullshit that because a lot of bro, a lot of the stuff is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the people they put in front of us, the circus of a government and all these different things, it's all bullshit. And people, some people believe it, bro. Some mm-hmm. people live it, and some people love it. <laughs> um. You 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 reminded me speaking of like a believing your own bullshit. Um, have you ever heard of the? Um, I can't remember if you call him like a psychoanalyst or like an anthropologist. There's a d- scientist, um, Julian Jaynes. He had this. Um, he had this. Uh, the, he wrote this book. Uh, it was. Uh, there's more to the title, but it's the bicameral mind. It might be like human consciousness oh, yeah, and the bicameral that. mind or something. And it's this idea and, and, and it's still like on the outer limits of mainstream science. Um, it's not considered fringe, but it probably wasn't literally like this, but there's a lot to suggest that this was part of the process. And, and what I'm referring to is think about this and like, I think we can learn a lot about alchemy by thought experiments from like, where did it start? Like if it's, if there is an evolutionary process, where, mm-hmm. where did the first dream come from? Who had the first dream and why did dreams start? Like, why did humans even start sleeping to begin with in like at night, instead of just taking like naps in the bushes and uh, like, Which I'm you sure know, they so- did bro. I mean, back then they would, you would get <laughs> eaten if you fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, so over time people develop these, these longer sleeping habits because you know through their their slow adaptations they're allotted certain yeah a little bit more civility and our bodies are able to um go into these dream states which seem to be sure there's a bit of wish fulfillment uh, but it it um what the the bicameral mind part was uh and we'll get into like more you know about what dreams could be but suffice it to say very alchemy but um Julian Jane supposed that a lot of where mysticism and religious phenomena came from in the beginning was the beginning, like the very beginning of our internal dialogue, which was stimulated by the dream process. Like there was no internal life before that, you know, at a certain point, humans had to develop that internal life and it had to start at one grain of sand after another. And slowly, you know, you build a mountain or form a Grand Canyon or, you know, wherever you want to go with the metaphor. But it um, and and that's weird to think about. If you just start having internal thoughts all of a sudden in a place and however incremental it was, wouldn't it come across to you like someone was speaking to you, someone like God or an angel or something? And, And if that's the case, who's to say it's not both? You know what I mean? Like we don't really know, and especially if you want to get into the chaos magic side of tulpas and egregores and the collective thought forms that can become autonomous theoretically. Like mm-hmm. you know, the, the dude, who knows? Well, who knows? The, but the problem with that, though, Anthony, is the the people who don't have an inner monologue. What what are they not human? Are they non-human because they don't have an inner? There's there's a large percentage of the population that doesn't have an inner monologue. Well, that's true, but I mean, um, um. <laughs> more of like monologue would be the of a a descriptive example of it but more of an inner thought process period like Mm, at a certain point when we're just biological organisms that are slowly adapting 
It's purely physical. And then at a certain point, you start becoming in the adaptational process, self-referential. Like ego. The ego. Yeah, yeah. And then and and the fertile soil for that was theoretically, you know, uh, Occam's razor shows that it's dreams. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because um, 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 I mean there's there's a it's not just dreams there's also the whole like stoned ape theory which i think is not i think that there's always as as in many examples i think mckenna was an agent bro uh hey man (laughs) i mean there there he he met up with feds and um like they people were on his tail and then all of a sudden they weren't i'm no mckenna expert but i've looked into it before and there's some weird stuff for sure 100 percent. but that said and i mean wasson is suspect timothy leary is suspect I am an advocate of um, um, of the alchemist um, uh, psychedelic experimentation. Um, I'm not really into um, the quote unquote like psychedelic community. I'm hardly a Mm. part of the cannabis community. Like I get, I enjoy Cheech and Chong. Don't get me wrong, but like I got into all this stuff because of alchemy. It wasn't because of some sort of Mm. Timothy Leary, uh, Grateful Dead bullshit. Trying to talk to dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's um, and I don't know. Uh, art is such a huge part of it. Um, like you know, I it, it, not only can you imagine that people, you know, they were doing cave paintings of the hunt because they wanted to catalog things, but because they wanted to visualize their next hunt, want to manifest it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like- and that's all the beginning of that internal egoic process, not mm-hmm. just from a like Freudian ego way, but from that existential tap into the collective unconsciousness. Like before that self-referential point, there's like, if there is a collective unconsciousness, we, you know, we have no way of getting into it. And one might say that by each human slowly becoming more self-referential, we develop the collective consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like a like a baby learning and developing its neurons. Manifestation. I mean, this is the cover of the, my my book that exists in the ether. I mean, I've started writing the book already, but the, right, looking at it, and manifesting it, I believe in that 100. percent And you're you're absolutely right that back then they would, or in the Hermetic arts, the paintings themselves would become a place in which they could dissolve into and do. The alchemical works, you know, you have uh, Kunrath, uh, right, where the amphitheater of eternal wisdom, where it's like this third 3D kind of paintings, but they served a purpose. They served the purpose of going into that painting and doing your all. You had a, a whole lab, essentially, is what you had. I've heard I've heard of people right the whole mind palace idea, which is really fascinating, which I've yeah. used myself. I mean, and that's a real thing, you know, these different states. Can you? You know, as as we wind down here, I want to talk to you about dreams mm-hmm. because I've heard you talk about them on your show. And I do think that dreams, they are tapping into something else. Is is it a sort of different dimension? We trust that we wake up the same every single time we go to sleep. When you go to sleep, do you open up a portal unconsciously to another dimension? Like what's going on? What are dreams from your research that you've done? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I think the first time I really started asking questions about dreams in any capacity was when I was a teenager. I saw the movie Dark City. 
Have you ever have you ever seen that? Bro, I have yeah. not, but I have it on my watch list. Yeah, it is great. It, it's it's cheesy in the best ways, and it holds up well. And it's a real, uh, it's a it's it, yeah, it's it's a good movie. But uh, the whole idea, the the basic uh concept in that movie is that this dude um uh wakes up and he's in a different life. And I I, I I'll tell listeners the mechanism because uh, it doesn't spoil anything. But um, uh, basically for reasons unknown, every day people wake up in a different life. Yeah. Um and and they have no memory of the last one. They're completely programmed with all their memories and all their habits every single day in a different situation. Um so like yeah, what is what are dreams? What what is reality even? Um um well again, you know, I I I would bring it back to the starting point and kind of pull it forward throughout history um, is how my mindset works. And it seems that like on a bare bones level, dreams are the, the thing that propel us, you know, in that heuristic sense, like it's the, it's the dangling carrot of the psyche. It's, it's our ideals, it's our hopes and fears. And, uh, and, you know, for, for, you know, an early human that had, that had nothing, um, that becomes everything. And, and today, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's the last bastion of, of mystical thought. Like, uh, you know, you could talk about psychedelics, which is definitely um, territory for mysticism in the modern day, but then people can go like, Oh, what about, you know, it's just drugs, whatever, bah. Um, and, uh, and sure it can be a double-edged sword, but then you talk about dreams and people can say like, Oh, it's just random stimulus, whatever. And, and all that, all that science can still be valid, but then we have all these things that don't add up. Um, like if you just, you know, if you just talk to people about their dreams, I've had dreams of the future. I don't know how to do it. I, I, I can't, I can't, uh, redo it now. Um, and I, um, and they were very cryptic, uh, but very clear. You know, I, I talk about it in my book dive manual a bit. Um, and I know many people who have, and it's something that you fall into. It's like a deja vu type thing. People have all so many weird instances. Um, I think it was Einstein, but I could be wrong. Um, uh, that was the scientist that, uh, would sleep, de- uh, deprive himself and then hold a weight like a paperweight or something in his hand so that he would get to the point of where he was about to fall asleep and the weight would fall out because in that twilight zone, right before you fall asleep, that's where he got his best ideas and like his actual scientific formula in these things. Um, so have you ever heard of the, I did a book on the, the anesthetic revelate. I think it's the anesthetic revelation. I think it was called by Paul Benjamin blood. And I don't think so. It, it's a it's I, I have well me and paranoid american have the only video on youtube on the subject on the internet pretty much on that book and it was about the point of this guy he was huffing nitrous and it was like at the there was a certain point of like when you're about to cross over to the other side that he it was called the anesthetic revelation because he would n- know and understand any philosophical ex what is it, existential idea anything that he could think of he understood it at that peak of euphoria or whatever it was and so he was huffing this gas and he was 
bro practicing philosophy because i love it i mean that's (laughs) alchemy too right there man yeah you know someone once put it to me that like it really is it's perspective but it's not like just if you believe hard enough you can do it it's like it's perspective with control methods like there's a there's a step-by-step sort of process uh but you can find your individual approach to it like if you found that process and uh, provided enough uh intention you know a magic eight ball could be just as good as a magic wand you know what i mean uh, so nitrous could be i could fuck it man i could see someone see find us some deep insight on it why not um that's but, fascinating uh, yeah. though that idea i, I yeah. never heard about that holding the way and then right as you're about to slip into that other state for a split second you're able to right capture an idea yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was Einstein. If for listeners, you could just Google that story. I know it's a well-known story, so you, you could find it pretty easy. Um, but as a cherry on top to the kind of dreams thing, there's there's a just a scientific anecdote I love to tell um, because it never loses its poignancy for me because I think it articulates dreams. It articulates the the like scientific overlap, like mysticism in the modern day, um, in ways that you can't dispute are are truly uh impressive um and it's uh vs ramachandran the neuroscientist book and his studies done in the book uh phantoms in the brain and the he's got many fascinating anecdotes in there um where he works with people with neurological disabilities of all kinds um and the phantom limb yeah i'm sure everyone knows the basic gist of it um but it doesn't always happen with amputees. It also happens with people born without limbs. So it's some sort of evolutionary body map. Um, and it, it, when you feel the phantom limb, it's cold, it's hard, it's inert. It's, it's like a dead petrified limb on you. And it's very uncomfortable to people. Um, so um, as, as trying to trick the neurons... Um, um, oh, it was Edison, oh, was it? Um, very cool, okay. Um, so as a way to trick people's um, visual process, V.S. Ramachandran basically set up uh, what he called a mirror box. It was similar to a shoe box where he would reflect. <clears throat> he, would, he would reflect the reflection, for lack of a better term, of the intact limb onto the mm. place where the limb was missing, and he would have the person wiggle it, and he did, you know, he did studies with this and, you know, did control methods and everything and found that the placebo, it, it, people knew what they were doing. It wasn't even like they were tricking themselves. They were simply tricking their brain into a way where when they saw their reflection of their their fingers and limb wiggle, they felt the phantom limb animate and sync up with the reflection. Um, and, and, and not only that, but in many cases, it didn't work for every single person, but in more cases than not, they could actually exercise it by doing this as like ritual and ceremony and, and, and by wiggling their phantom limb, by syncing it up with the reflection, they could actually decrease the phantom limb pain. And one guy had a story, an anecdote in the story that the doctor told, he said that he shrunk his phantom limb through this process all the way down to where he felt he literally felt the f- sensation of phantom fingers coming out of his shoulders. But then he said he couldn't shrink it any further because he had no way to sync up the reflections anymore. Like, what the fuck? What is going on there? If that's not mysticism, I don't know what is. And you could take that kernel of legitimate uh, scientific 
experimentation and really run in quite a few different philosophical directions. And I think that dreams in the same way that um, the something being viral is not good or bad. Uh, it, it, dreams are like phantom limbs. They are these, these projections of the psyche that affect our physical life, um, uh, but are not quite there. They're, they're, they're just below the surface. We don't have any sort of available access to them until we give them some sort of life, some sort of projection process. And that's what dreams are. And then, and, and that's how the outpour of mysticism comes from this whole dream process. Because why wouldn't it? Dreams are that on an evolutionary level. You know what I mean? And then psychedelics are just a piggyback off of that as well. And clearly seem to have some um, incorporated into that evolutionary model a bit as well. Wow, dude. Yeah, that's, that was a really fascinating explanation. Cause like, what if you're, you're aligning yourself with essentially a parallel dimension or yeah. a parallel form of yourself, right? An astral homunculus, if you will, that you're aligning yeah. yourself with and you're trying to, right? Uh, there are various religions, uh, the Timakua in specific, cause I'm doing a deep dive on them, but they believe that through certain ceremonies and rituals, it was alchemical, right? They could infuse their three, the three different worlds that they believed in together. They would collapse in on themselves and they would come together and, and unify. So right, they have the upper world, the lower world, and then this, the spiritual world or whatever it was. And they believe that through certain things, they could fuse these worlds together. And yeah, that's a really fascinating way of putting it. Have you ever done the, I've talked about on the, on the show before, whenever I, I partake in the, the cannabis i don't really recall my dreams all that much right I'll, I'll, it'll be very spotty but have you mm -hmm. ever done the the skull fuck method bro no what is that it's a <laughs> it's a it's a dream recollection method and it sounds really weird but i'll tell it to you here people have heard it before but essentially you lay down right and you lay down and you envision your body your limbs and everything you envision your extremities and, and, and I'll send you the article on how to do it. And I've heard it put, some people have told me it's Masonic. Some people have told me it's sexual gnosis, something or other, right? Whatever. Who cares? It works. Trust me. Mm -hmm. For anyone listening, try it out. Sounds really weird, but stick with me. So you envision your, your extremities and you, you lay down and you're in the, you can do the dead man pose, whatever. And you're supposed to enter that state of where you want to scratch yourself or whatever it is. Cause you know, your body can't stay still. Mm -hmm. So it's like tricking you to like itch your nose or whatever. You need to push past all that until you get to that state where you can kind of feel that you're there. You're, you're like fully aware and you're supposed to envision your entire spinal cord from the very bottom to the top. There's a light illuminating. Right. And I've, I've used the, there's various ways you can do it. You can either envision a, a huge blue penis, right? Coming from the, listen, bro, it's moving its way up from the bottom of your feet, right? All the way up your entire body. It's lighting your body up as it's moving all the way up. And it's going to pass through your entire body up through your spinal column, through your spinal cord. And it's going to go all the way up. And the head of the penis, it's going to insert itself into the bottom of your skull, Okay. That's the skull fuck method. You're going to do this every single night, Anthony. And I'll tell you, bro, if that shit don't work, I, 
bro, it it works. It's the weirdest thing, but you can remember your dreams 98% recollection, your dreams. And to the point where oh, you shit. can kind of sort of not astral project, but you can interact in the dreams. And I've been doing this. And I haven't done it recently, but I've done it. And bro, it's the trippiest. I can remember my I can see people in my dreams. I can recall who they are. I make things happen in my dreams. Like the first time I did it, I was at this outside cinema and there was a whole bunch of Chinese ladies around giving people massages in these beach looking chairs. Right. And I was with my cousin and we were having a picnic at this table. And then we started talking about Bigfoot and Bigfoot showed up, bro. And Bigfoot was hunting us with a 22 caliber gun. And I was like, you see, this is what happens in these states. You start to talk about something and it manifests itself that much quicker. So we started getting mm -hmm. chased down by Bigfoot and bro, it just got crazy. Like it just, but point being that it works. Okay. It works. Trust me. I'll, I'm going to give that a try. I mean, it sounds silly to a layman, but like the, the, the very alchemical symbolism right there. Um, uh, you know, speaking of divine feminine and masculine in these things. And, uh, and also speaking of like a phantom limb therapy, like if, if someone could shrink that, then what might you be doing with your visualization techniques uh, going into, you know, your dreams? I think that there's plenty of merit to that. And I haven't worked with um, um, dream techniques in a, in, it's been a little while, but um, um. Yeah, that's a, it sounds like a, like a fresh take to try a little experiment. Cause in the past, um, I have what I just kind of called like dream incubation, like where you just try and focus on things and you, you present settings and questions, almost like an out of body experience type, um, um, setup, if you will. Yeah. And, um, and it, it, where you're trying to take your subjective nature out of it. And I, I read somewhere in the past that if you present your mind with those objective situations, you know, you might not remember it the first night or, or the second night, uh, but it's, it's embedding it into your psyche and you get results there. But, uh, this sounds like a much more mystical, less, uh, <laughs> less, uh, practical method. I'm going to try it out. Most I'll definitely. send you the, the, where I found it. And I found it. Again, the deepest, darkest crevices of the internet, of course, right? When you're into this this esoteric and occult research. And I was like, that sounds funny. I'm going to try it out. And, dude, <laughs> again, people get weird. I was like, oh, uh, what was that dude from the, from the, what's that movie with the dude, the blue guy? Oh, the, Watchmen. The Watchmen, the yeah. Blue think, dick, yeah. Yeah, so we were like, I'm not laying that <laughs> blue penis near me. Like, I don't want no blue dick. He's like, I ain't gay, bro. It's like, no, bro, it's not about being gay, dog. You got to just try it. Uh, Trust me. Just try it out, mm -hmm. okay? I don't do, I don't, I'm not a practicing occultist. I'm not a practicing alchemist, but I'll do weird shit like that. And, hey, don't take my word for it. Just try it one time, right? And let me know what you get, but... Yeah, bro, that's just my little nugget for you, bro, to try it out and see if it helps you in your dream recollection. Will and, do. Right, your 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 studies to see where that goes. But yeah, dude, this was this was really fun. We covered a lot of different topics. And can you let people know where they can find you again, bro? I'd, I'd love to do this again soon. And yeah. I, had, I had a blast, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
I didn't get the chance to say it because um, uh, we just rolled into it. I didn't want to derail anything, but I really love what you got going on as well. And yeah, you're you're a real genuine dude, and you got some legit food for thought. And Thanks, I, I, yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, I this is what it's all about. You know, it's nice to have people read your work and um, you know see how far it can go. But in the end, like I. I started doing all of this just by hanging out with my friends and talking about the craziest shit that we could drum up. And, <laughs> and that's what I love doing. I just love, uh, I guess it's kind of nice to know, um, that, uh, you're not the only one out there. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, and that's where it all starts. So just a little bit of camaraderie and then, and then whatever else is icing on the cake. Um, but, um, yeah, some good food for thought. And if anyone wants any more, you know, I, a lot of uh, little bits and pieces I talked about, you can find obviously in my episodes, um, but you can find in my books, uh, Dive Manual, uh, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism and Hunt Manual, 21st, 21st Century Demonology and Fortiana. Um, I go pretty hard in both of those books. So if I'll say, you know, I doubt they're for everybody. Uh, but if you liked this conversation, I think you will definitely like those books. So, yeah, Black Hoodie Alchemy, divemind.net. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Anthony Tyler, Black Hoodie Alchemy. You'll find me. Yeah. I'm awesome, around. dude. Yeah, I'll post to get the link tree up. and I will. I appreciate the tips. I got to officialize myself a little more. Dude, I published a book. I published my first book before I even had a website. That's just how I do it. I just yeah. work. <laughs> I just shoot from the hip, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, me too, bro. Me too. Trust me. It's, 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 you have to have fun too while you're at it. You can't take yourself too seriously either. So Amen. most definitely make sure to check me out. TJOJP.com. Make sure to get your paranormality June Florida edition yeah, and issue. Yeah, props to that. There you go. Shout out to Chaz of the Dead. Yeah, Everybody. another homie. Another Great homie, friend. right? Another Florida man. So shout out to yes, him. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Got the Cultist Monday journals. Check those out, right? TJLJP.com. Speaking of the Amphitheater of Internal Wisdom, I don't got it on autofocus. Make sure I get the comic book, The Chosen One. Wow. All that dope. good stuff. And also, as of, you know, as of this recording, but when this comes out, the homunculus paranoid american pamphlet will be live so i'll be posting that on the social media too for people to pick that up it's the entire history of the homunculus the first ever comic book on the homunculus and yeah it's going to be really fun so make sure to check that out keep an eye out for that the links are in the description and anthony bro you're great it's really fun we'll do it again soon man yeah thank you likewise and take care everybody out there Thank you, Mr.